everybody. Welcome to Well, This Isn't Normal. I'm Sarah Benincasa coming to you live, well, not live, recorded from my closet in the coat section, which makes sense. I have a, uh, you can hear the rustling probably. I have a uh, uh, Instagram account called Excellent Coats on Irritated Women. It's uh, instagram.com slash excellent coats on irritated women and it celebrates exactly that although sometimes it's people of of other genders who are just badass who um are not afraid to be pissed off and wear cool coats and jackets anyway i'm i'm in the closet with my coats hiding from my cat who i love very much she likes to be near me a lot and i appreciate that except when she doesn't which is also exciting i did therapy yesterday and she fully got on camera and was very, very interested in um, in my therapist and was watching really intently. I did an interview with Ashley Nicole Black, which you'll hear uh, soon enough. She's wonderful. And she told me that she was just really watching my cat the whole time, who was in the background of our Skype video session, just cleaning herself and occasionally staring at Ashley, staring at me, staring outside. So... um I, the truth is I'm not hiding from Polly. It's rush hour and we still have people going to work and doing things, of course. So it's not the way it usually is, but trucks are going by and cars and the such. So I figured, hey, I'd come get cozy in this closet. <laughs> um, I, I have never experienced knock on wood. I'm going to knock on wood right now. There we go. Authenticity in podcasting. Um, I've never experienced much claustrophobia in my life. Agoraphobia, yes. Um, but claustrophobia, no. So I don't mind being in the closet because also I'm choosing to be here, which is nice. And it's cozy and, and I like the feeling of closeness that I have with my Jordans that I have to stop buying because they're not made in an ethical way. Uh, and uh, RIP my Jordan habit, that's probably good. And, you know, with this one vintage red cloth coat in my face and um, a, uh, a a jacket from Matrushka here. And, and you'll hear my offer code at the end of the podcast for some free Matrushka. Not free, but a 20% off. Um, it's a whole thing. Anyway, good times. <sighs> so agoraphobia issue, Right. Um, claustrophobia, not so much the problem. And, uh, but I've been thinking a lot about how, um, I've been talking to so many people on this podcast and off the podcast in real life about how they feel fine staying at home when they want to stay at home, but it's when agency is removed. It's when the choice is removed that they feel frightened and they understand, they absolutely understand. Um, but, but but there's discomfort, there's anxiety there. So of course, I'm always thinking about, about ways in which I can be of assistance to you and myself in dealing with anxiety. And I wanted to put to you this idea. It is not a vision of your happy place. 
but it is a vision of a place where you feel safe. And I have one that I envisioned years ago that I return to in my mind when I need to. So we're going to do a little visualization exercise before we get into somebody who is a master of sci-fi and fantasy and beyond, Chuck Wendig, fittingly enough. So we're going to do a creative imagination exercise. And Chuck um, lives out in the countryside, but he's not far from one of my favorite bookshops in the whole wide world. And it is a place that stoked my imagination growing up. And much of my imagination growing up was, you know, was was enlivened by um, the the woods and the farms from the area where, where he lives now. And so... Um, I am very glad to say that I think my 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 peaceful place in my mind that I go to probably looks kind of like near where he lives. Um, so here's what I'm going to have you do. Take a deep breath. And again, remember, you're going to try to get that breath down into your belly. And let's do it one more time and let's make sure to have you breathe for an even count, hold for an even count, and out for an even count. I can see the shadow of my cat peeking through the crack in the closet. Okay, ready? Let's do in for four. Hold for four, two, three, four, out, two, three, four. Okay. So with your eyes closed, I want you to picture a place where you feel safe. It can be completely imaginary. It can be a scene from a movie. It can be animated. It can be utterly ridiculous. It does not need to be the real world, or it can be the real world. Mine is a meadow in the middle of the woods that vaguely resembles uh, where, sort of where Chuck Wendig lives or certain scenes in King's Quest IV, The Perils of Rosella. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I want you to look around and picture what your surroundings look like. Look at the ground, look up. I don't know if you see the sky or you see a ceiling or what you see. Try to feel whether you're sitting or standing or laying down in this place. And how does that feel? What, what, what is the texture of what you feel beneath your feet? or under your fingers, or um, under your back? What does it feel like? Now try and imagine what it smells like. That can be tough. But try and imagine what it smells like. And if something negative comes up, replace it with something positive. This is a good exercise in using your imagination to create positive feelings. And now, if you can, if there's enough room in this comfortable place, stretch out a little bit. What's the temperature like? You can flesh this place out as much as you want to. It can change when you visit there in your mind. Um, Anytime. It's really wonderful. It's an exercise in world building. And I like to visit there in my mind whenever the hell I feel like it. And I don't Always do breathing in and breathing out to get there and to get out of there, but we're going to do that today. So to bring you back, if you want to come back to our present reality, or you can stay there and listen to this interview with Chuck Wendig, 
Let's inhale again for four. Hold for four. And exhale, two, three, four. You can open your eyes if you want to, or not. I hope you enjoy this interview with Chuck Wendig. He is a true delight. Hello. Well, this isn't normal audience. I am hanging out with the wonderful Chuck Wendig. And of course, Chuck and I are using Skype, which means that it's going to freeze sometimes. And uh, we'll just edit it together and it'll be fine, Chuck. Have you, d- fine. Have you, done, a, have you done a Skype interview yet during this? Uh, I have. Stuff? I'm not during this weird time, but I have done Skype interviews. Yeah. It's doing this thing that... Um, it, because it's so overloaded right now oh. with people using Skype, it's doing this thing. So what's going to happen is sometimes my face will freeze. Sure. And you'll be like, what? And then you'll hear boop, 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 boop. And then it'll start again. Oh, that's nice. Um, okay. So when you freeze when you're doing that, I won't tell you unless mm-hmm. I miss out on some things you're saying. I'll just nod and you won't even know because. Good. Uh, <laughs> I love it, it, Blissful ignorance is good. I don't want to want- any of it. <laughs> I want people to people who are under the impression that this was a high tech operation. Yeah. I want them to experience the 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 truth behind the glamorous podcast. So yeah. how how the hell are you, sir? Well, fine. Like I'm good. I think I'm good. How are you? It just did the thing. Could you see by my face that it just froze? I get it. It froze. It totally I'm, froze. I'm leaving. I'm leaving it in. We're leaving this yeah. in. We're not because we in. want you know the people. They need to understand that we're not just glamorous superstars. No, no, we're just <laughs> me- we're hot messes like everyone. <laughs> you're you're a, a, a bearded, handsome gentleman in a shed. Thank you. Yeah, just a shedded <laughs> in shedded person. <laughs> I live here now. This is my this is my bunker. My apocalypse bunker. Tell us about the shed, which I believe just opened for business. It did. Literally, you're the first uh, you're the first client of the shed. <laughs> no, it's like, uh, yeah, no, I had a shed at my last uh, house, and uh, it was an essential component to writing, with, a, especially with a child in the house, because they hit a certain age, and they're like, you can't keep them out of anything. They're like John McLean and Die Hard. He's coming in through the vents. Like, you can't stop him. So... Uh, yeah, I like thought, kids Kids will straight up walk over broken glass if it means yeah. they get to distract you. They do not care. They don't care. So uh, I, we just had the shed built, and that's where I went into the woods to work every day like a, a weird lumberjack uh, person. And so uh, moving, we didn't. I didn't have a shed, and I wanted a shed back. So it just was completed last week, and I gave it a week to quarantine itself like a bad shed, filthy disease shed, and now I'm here. You know, my brother had a shed delivered. Well, really, the equipment for it, the, the the materials for a shed delivered by an Amish family, a Pennsylvania yeah. Dutch family. Yep, that was my and last one. They came and and did sort of a miniature barn raising in his backyard, yep. and he helped a little, but he was like, you know what? They didn't need my help. They did no. great. Some of the most a lot of people don't know this that if you live in. Uh, at least in New Jersey and PA, maybe possibly in Ohio as well. Some of the most skilled uh, craftspeople around are in the Amish community, Mennonite community as well. Yep. Yeah, that was the interesting thing is the all the sheds we've had, both in terms of whether I'm using them as an officer for just like mowers, were uh, made by various Stoltzfuses, like Amish, the last name. Ooh. And I don't know if they have like a shed 
guild or army and they're all Stoltzfuses. Like, I don't know what it is, but, uh, and then what was weird with the last shed, uh, the Amish were not able to deliver it because we lived too far. So the Mennonites delivered it, but the Amish put it together. Yeah, sometimes you need a Mennonite to schlep because the Mennonite yeah. might have more motorized transport. Yeah, they have tires. Yeah, they have tires. Nice. And they're, I think I forget that you know, I grew up in a part of New Jersey that's very close to Pennsylvania, and um, we had a Pennsylvania Dutch farmer's market a few days a week. Oh, yeah. And it, and it was Mennonite folks because the old order Amish are people who are really sort of the most conservative old school adhering to their older ways. Yeah. But other folks will kind of like mix it up and get sassy and drive yeah, a they car. Do. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. They might have phones. Yeah. What? Yeah, electricity. And now, yeah. now Chuck, I realized uh, I should probably, uh, you know, ask you how many books you've published by this point in time, because I oh. feel like. Oh, it's uh, a lot. I, I feel like you have published about eight million books. It's Yeah, that's and eight, eight million and one now. <laughs> eight million and one. <laughs> how many yeah. is it? No, I don't even know. It's over 20. Mm. It's over 20. Yeah, well, I have a problem. My God. I should stop. It's amazing. I guess. When. Are they all like what when I go to the bookshop on the Internet, would you say that you are always your books are always categorized in the same place or do they tend to hop around a little bit? They hop around a little bit because genre is just a thing people made up. And uh, so sometimes I'm in science fiction. Sometimes I'm in horror. Uh, I do have some nonfiction writing books. So those also live in their own little fiefdoms. Uh, yeah, they kind of they kind of bounce around. Depends on the bookstore, like how they want to put stuff. I just noticed your Pennsylvania accent, by the way. Oh yeah, it's there. It's very slight. It's not. It's not that distinct. But when you said "oon" oh. instead of "own," <laughs> I was like, yeah. I'm exaggerating. You didn't hit it that hard, but it comes out on the O's, which I love. I love one of the reasons I love doing this podcast is that I get to talk to people who I just admire and think are cool, who are from all over. So. Because of this podcast, I get to hear a lot of very enjoyable regional accents. Which I'm sure, cool. yeah. What, do you have a favorite? Is there a... I mean, I don't think I've talked to a Southerner yet. Okay. So far, uh, and, and people people who are listening, you're going to be, you know, we record these out of order. So, so far, like as of this recording, I have interviewed uh, John Cryer, a good a good Upper West Side native. Um, yeah. Stephen Weber, a Queens lad. Oh, who else have I interviewed that I... Uh, Alex Winter, who I believe is a born and raised California kid. And my friend Nicole Thurman, who's from Kansas. And then she's an actress. And then, oh, uh, my friend Alicia Hanna. She is Australian. So that has been oh, cool, Oh, the Australian one, the, that's the special one. That's a good yeah, actor. that was a good. One. She, she's the special one to vote. Oh, and Mickey Kendall, who's a Chicago girl. Oh yeah. But but really, the accent that was the most distinct, I would say, was certainly. Um, Ali- I would say Alicia Hanna's accent was the most distinct. And aren't you glad that since Skype keeps freezing, by the way, it's that we fine. just have we'll have a we'll have a clean audio track on either yeah, side right. and edit it together. <laughs> exactly, it'll work out fine somehow. <laughs> yeah, it it's totally. It's to- it's totally fine. So, um, where in the world have you have you moved around a lot, or have you always been a, a East Coast gentleman? Uh, pretty much always East Coast gentleman. I lived in North Carolina for a while. Uh, oh, this North Carolina! I'm holding up my arm with that, a tattoo of that North very Carolina well. on yeah. it. But not where the dot is. Down in Charlotte, I was in Charlotte. Oh, you're in Charlotte. Okay, yeah. cool. So yeah, no, um, you were like, I, you just love race cars so much. I just so, like, love I them. I was a I was a race car driver. Jerry was a race car driver. No, I. Uh, 
yeah, I went to school down there and stayed like a lazy person for a while because uh, I liked it. Um, but then I sort of missed like the angst of the Northeast, like the Ajita, just the angry people. Like you, you're driving down there and uh, you don't know what they're doing down there. So, But it's nice to be back up here where everyone is sassy and, and angry all the time. Uh, angry all the time. And just, yeah. like, I mean, you live in a relatively... I wouldn't say extremely, but relatively rural area. You're, yeah, it's a weird mix. It's a weird, it's like city is close, sub, mm-hmm. kind of suburban, but then like in a blink, you're in the middle of farmland. So That's how I grew up as well. That's definitely how I grew up, and that's how my parents live. And so it's this rural urbia thing yeah, yeah. that happens. And I'm, I'm wondering if you've been in contact with, over the phone or otherwise, with neighbors or other folks who live near you and kind of how people are dealing with the isolation since they generally have some property and some land maybe and, and, and might, you know, have a lot of privacy anyway. Yeah. Our last property, we had like six and a half acres of just woods. So it, you could feel even on a, a normal non-pandemic day, like it was the end of the world because you didn't really see anybody. Uh, where I am now, we're li- when I'm not in a neighborhood or anything, but like I can see houses. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's nice to, uh, you know, you, you just sort of like walk past someone's driveway and they're just out as if like fishing for, for conversation, just like a, uh, stop for a moment by my driveway so we can just engage as people. So uh, everyone seems to be doing okay. I haven't noticed a lot of people, you know, breaking the, the quote unquote lockdown because we are more or less in lockdown now. Uh, so, but everyone's been nice and friendly. There's been a little more. Like everyone's a little more gregarious, a little more like yes. happy to yeah, yell yeah. at you from a distance. Like, hello, I need, just acknowledge me and I will acknowledge you. Yes. I uh, I sat in my window and talked to my uh, neighbor and we, excuse me, I like my neighbor. We've talked plenty before, but we hadn't like really gone in depth. And I learned so much more about her. Like I learned that she's a, um, a volunteer for the division of child services oh, wow. to supervise, like to supervise visits between a baby and her, her birth mother. <clears throat> and that she um, <clears throat> volunteers through her church at like a, a, at a pantry for the homeless and the uh, unhoused. And I just learned so much cool stuff. It was like, wow, you know, here's this gem of a person I've been living across from for a year and a half that I, I didn't, I never went that in depth with. That's pretty great though. I mean, like, not that I ever want to say, wow, this pandemic was great, but um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are, you know, bright sides to it. And some of those bright sides are oddly other people, which usually I'm uh, <laughs> dubious of other human beings, but I've been less dubious during the pandemic of other human beings than I thought I would be, which is really nice. Are you an introvert by nature? Uh, yeah, I would say, uh, I'm an introvert who sometimes fakes extroversion to do events and readings and cons, conventions, uh, conferences, but then like I turtle down, man, I need like a good 24 hours of like minimal humanity. What was the last event that you did? Public event? Uh, ooh, last public event. I feel like it was my book tour in July for Wanderers. I did like a full... You know, we did, I think, seven or nine cities or something like that. And then we did San Diego Comic-Con. And, uh, boy, that was intense. <laughs> it's just like, I can't even imagine doing San Diego Comic-Con now. Like, the throngs of humanity. <sighs> 
So I, I was at Comic-Con. I did Comic-Con last year. I just did one panel about nonfiction storytelling, which was fun. And then, like, I went to parties. Yeah. And so it was just the, That's standard. the fun. Yeah. Pretty fun. I went to, like, a, a recovery meeting and parties. So that was my socializing. Nice. It was very fun. Yeah. It was the really the ideal way to do it. Um, but uh, I, I think about, like, how... I'm agoraphobic, so I'm not inherently fond of crowds. Sure, mildly. sure. But I do crowds. I do crowds, and of course, for years, I was a stand-up comic, so I was used to going on the road and things like that. Do you have tricks to um, managing that, though? Because that's going to be, I mean, that does have to be tough. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I will find a bathroom and and make that stall my little cave of sure. just relaxing for like five minutes. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of relaxation breaths sort of in my toolkit that I talk about on the podcast. I, um, now I'm on Prozac, so that helps. Sure. I've done cognitive behavioral therapy for many years. So I have different sort of mental exercises and mindfulness exercises that I do. And uh, if I engage in conversation with someone else or if I'm of service in some way, that helps me. So yeah. if I can if I can notice that somebody needs something or is lost or is curious, and of course at you know at, at Comic Con people are always lost or curious. <laughs> it's the default. <laughs> it's default standard. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. I mean, I can't read maps, but I can be like, "Hey, are you looking for somebody?" And it just is very helpful. You also have a lot of people at at, at Comic Con who um, have different abilities who are not neurotypical who are fairly open about mental health issues um and are very helpful like when i was i was like hauling ass i went to did you go to a bill prady's party um this past year you just froze so i will get your answer in just a moment did you uh, okay unfrozen did you go to bill prady's party no by any chance okay so he, he he had a little like a like just like a bu- during the day, this little like kind of buffet thing, and so I was there, and I was uh, and it was lovely and socializing people, and then I was like hauling ass to go uh, meet my friend Milana, who was getting her makeup done uh, before doing a bunch of panels for like Robot Chicken and stuff, and I was motoring really fast, and I just fell down and skinned my knee. Oh no! And I I was very you know I was I still have a scar from it. Um, but I was like, uh, all right. And I just like got up and was bleeding and all these people stopped. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a, it wasn't a horrible injury, but as soon as I wiped out, people stopped to say, are you okay? Would you like my help getting up? Like really. That's kind of awesome. Yeah. I I think that's in, you know, the one thing that this whole situation that is very much, as you know, not normal, um, has really put into context for me is that, um, Unlike in a zombie film where uh, you, you know, in a zombie movie, right, it's like everyone is the enemy. Every other person, they want to steal your food and knock you down and, and, and do whatever they can do to you, uh, take advantage of you. So, uh, but the reality is always different. The reality is that actually people do come together and not just in times of crisis like this, but in times of, you know, even the uh, San Diego Comic-Con where you would expect to honestly be crushed underfoot by people who are looking for the newest con exclusive. Uh, that's not what's happening. Um, you know, that's, and that's a, a nice little reminder that people are maybe still good overall. Overall. Yeah. Or they, they feel they, they're capable of, most people are capable of empathy. Most yes. people, even if they're just doing it, even if we, we as humans are just doing it because on some level we are obeying some directive that says do this because then humans will do it for you someday. Like whatever it is. Whatever it is. Yeah. It's fine. I, I find that, 
obviously any fandom can be poisonous, but in general, I would say that if you said, Sarah, you're going to be in a a room full of baseball fans, and I like baseball, versus you're going to be in a room full of sci-fi and genre fans, and you're going to fall down. I would expect quicker assistance (laughs) from the genre fans, from the geeks. Sure, the geeks, yeah, because they've they've all (laughs) fallen down. We know what that's like. Yeah. <laughs> we recognize your lack of coordination. Yes, we always someone to help us up. And also sometimes I think that um people at cons are getting very accustomed to talking to others. Yeah. Like because they have to, right? They I mean have to. and so maybe sometimes they're that's might be the only time that they come out of their shell yeah. all year. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I think fans in general are pretty great. Fandoms as a whole can be a little weird, but fans right. uh, are often wonderful. And they've are certainly yeah. given me my life and career in many ways. Uh, it does seem, that's a really interesting observation, because it, it really does seem that, like, people individually can be awesome. Yeah. Or in very small groups, people en masse can be terrifying. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite kind of live event to do oh. since we can't do any of them right now let's right. fantasize about fantasize. our favorites i love just q and a's man because people show up uh like you do a book talk and I, I hate to read i don't like to read a book of that i wrote because like no one wants that that's not like that's why i wrote it in this container so you can figure that part out i don't you don't want to hear me do that but i do like doing those q and a's especially with like people who want to be writers or people who have uh, weird fan ideas and fan questions or uh, anything, just questions about what's going on in your life or their advice. Uh, I love the more wild westy a Q&A gets where there's like no boundaries of what people can ask because then it's, <laughs> uh, you can, everyone's just sort of, you get closer and closer with every question and answer that kind of is iterated in there and everybody, the group gets more interested in joining that dynamic and uh, it just usually is kind of interesting. So Q&As are my big thing. What is the Chuck Wendig starter pack for somebody, especially, let me put it in this context, especially for somebody who's never read any kind of genre, like sci-fi, horror, fantasy, or they're just not that into it, but they're curious. Mm. Where would you point them? I know this is broad because you've done a lot of stuff. Sci-fi curious. I like it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's good. I'm into that. Yeah. (laughs) If you're sci-fi curious... Boy, that should be a Can I just say that when I'm 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 bisexual and when I'm on a dating app and a woman says bi curious, I just ignore it. Ignore. And I'm like, nope, 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 nope not gonna trust it. No, that's, a, uh-uh. that's amateur hour. Get out of here. Don't, yeah, get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're sci-fi curious, you could turn into a sci-fi sexual. So <laughs> let's try and uh let's get some suggestions for yeah. what people should start with. Yeah, let's wanderers. I'll say wanderers. Um wanderers is a mix. You know, it's like um, sci-fi, horror, uh, current events, thrillers, and it's not super crunchy. So the genre elements are not um, overwhelming. You know, sometimes like you pick up a big fantasy book and it's got that glossary in the opening pages that's got a thousand apostrophes in every name. And you're like glorifying the, and you're like, nope, I'm out. Like I can't, sometimes my brain does not process those things well. Or if it's a sci-fi book, that's super hard, like in terms of the, uh, wow, that sounds way too sexual. Uh, hard sci-fi <laughs> being like, you know, they're going to describe in seven pages how an engine works. Like, I don't, I will tap out of that. So, uh, Wanderers is a good one, probably. Yeah, and also, like, I love, I love a map. I can't read them, but yeah, I enjoy them. So I love cool. a J.R. Tolkien, love a map. Um, 
But if it, if I've got too many maps and, and I like I'll do some of the work because I figure as a reader, I am as a reader, I am co-creating the experience with the author in a sense because I am creating the visuals in my mind. Yeah, um, that's right. What got you into I mean, when did you start reading sci-fi? Were you little or did you start watching it first? Oh, I don't know. I mean, Star Wars is obviously a pretty early one where you're like, what is this? What are they doing? They're like, they've got swords that glow. And this is cool. Uh, I think the first stuff I read, though, was probably uh, Lloyd Alexander's Friday and Chronicles Fantasy. Uh, we would go to the beach, Jersey Shore, Long Beach Island. and uh, Oh, you were an, uh, you're an LBI kid. LBI kid, yeah, Surf City. All man. right. Yeah. So uh, I would just sit, like everyone else wanted to do beach stuff, and I was like, shut up, I'm reading, you know, like a pale, pasty nerd under Umbrella. The sun burns that, me. Yeah. That was me at Point Pleasant. Oh, there you to, go. And Point Pleasant is like so trashy. I love it. Shout <laughs> out to Jenkinsons. Um, but like, you know, yeah, totally. I was doing that. I was like reading Anne of Green Gables yeah. and shit. Yeah. So that's where it was for me. That was the first exposure to like that, all the fantasy stuff. And, uh, you know, my final question for you is one that I've asked a lot of people, which is how are you keeping sane-ish yeah. these days? Uh-huh. Like, what what do you do? Do you have any rituals that help? Do you have any things that you make sure to do every day? I go outside, um, and I know that's fraught now that we're all locked in our boxes. But, I, you know, I try to, especially when I feel overwhelmed by everything going on, feeling particularly anxious, um, feeling that critical sense of this is super not normal. Uh, I just go outside and I listen to birds being birds and uh i just look at some plants like i try to remember that life is kind of going on in its own special way and it doesn't uh it's happening in in like a separate track than what you know human beings are doing um and just you know hearing sometimes you hear neighbors yelling to each other somewhere like in a good way um like talking back and forth or a car will go by and it just is centering that it feels like it doesn't feel apocalyptic necessarily it doesn't feel like it can can feel very apocalyptic if you're kind of really myopic on twitter if you're really laser focused on the news um and not to say you shouldn't be aware of what's going on because we have no good central way to to, to receive information it's not like um our quote unquote president is uh, getting on tv and giving us good data we don't have good data so you know we crowdsource it uh, via our our social media networks but you can also do that way too much and it it can be like um you know anxiety quicksand so i try to just climb my way out of the quicksand go outside listen to some birds and uh, it centers me it really calms me down very quickly well thank you so much chuck windig and where can the children and the adults who are listening uh go to find more things about you where where are the social media places to find you uh you know i exist way too much on twitter so i'm at Me too. Chuck Wendig on twitter yeah i can't uh, <laughs> i can't escape it i feel like i sometimes want to but actually it's been better for me i found it a nicer place since all of this has started uh, oh it's been less, way better yeah. yeah a little less politics a little less like intense fan conversations uh and just people are a little more g- gentle now i find uh even if the news is not people are uh, so I'm at Chuck Winding on Twitter, and uh, my blog is TerribleMinds.com, and that tends to be where I, you know, firm it down online. Thank you so much, Chuck. I really appreciate it, and I'm excited to uh, absorb more of your work. And, of course, I will always see you on Twitter because I, too, am always yeah, on Twitter. Yeah, I'll see you there. Comforting. We will, we will wave com- at each other across the digital uh, media. It's comforting to see you at our water cooler every oh, day. I know. Seriously, yeah. Who knows what's in our water cooler, though? At this point, it's... 
Just a lot of big coffee. A lot of coffee. A lot of coffee. So much so coffee. Much coffee. Oh my god. was my friend Chuck Wendig, a very cool person, a very kind person, a very bearded person that could change. I mean, who knows? How's your facial hair situation going? Ladies, gentlemen, genderqueer or agender individuals? It's good times. <laughs> a lot of conversations with the girls these days about waxing and plucking and dyeing and, and the such. <laughs> my roots are growing in. And I'm not mad about it. Actually, it feels nice to give my hair a break. In future episodes of the podcast, I'll get more into beauty and things like that because I do think that the superficial and the deep both get, they get attention now. I remember reading that women in World War II, or maybe it was World War I, who couldn't get nylons, stockings would draw, sometimes draw a line up the back of their legs because the stockings used to have a line up the back of the legs um, to kind of imitate that. People have always found ways to indulge their vanity, their beauty, and I don't see it as a bad thing. I see it as celebratory. I see it as a a celebration of life. So, (sighs) wow. While we did our visualization exercise in the first part, And now what I want to encourage you to do is a bit of a different exercise. You can just think about this or you can write it down. But it is an exercise in gratitude. I do gratitude lists every day um, because someone told me to, so I do. And they help. I don't usually go back and look at them, by the way, but just the practice of it helps me. So think of... Write down if you feel like it, but you may be laying in bed or just not in the mood. Think of three things today that you are grateful for. My list today included overnight oats and Rice Krispies. And then I was like, wait, maybe I just need to eat breakfast. But I am grateful to have those things in my house. Um, My cat, the aforementioned and oft-mentioned Polly. Um, The fact that my family, again, knock on wood... It's pretty healthy right now. The fact that I have employment now, even though it's very scary to think about losing my job and my sympathies and empathies are with with those of you who have. I've I've been there um, getting fired or laid off and it is not fun to say the very least. I am also grateful to have a shower. I'm grateful to have clean drinking water. Think about three, make it five if you want to, things for which you are grateful. And if something in your head starts to say, yeah, but everything fucking sucks. Okay. You can still keep making that gratitude list. Now, this is not an exercise in some Pollyanna-ish bullshit. This is not an exercise in pretending everything's okay or that everything's going to be okay. I don't know that. And I can't tell you that. And you don't know that either. Although you may in your gut feel fundamentally that people are good and that, you know, that the arc of the universe bends toward progress. I mean, whatever you believe is fine. This practice is simply to remind you that you have the ability to use your mind for positivity. It is not 
to insist that you do it all the time. That would be silly. We need darkness and light. And anytime you're around somebody who reflexively pretends to be positive all the time, it's very odd. I mean, one of the most positive people I know, Josh Gondelman, gets mad. He's human. (laughs) Remember when we did the episode with Sharon Salzberg and I talked to her about and said, dude, people expect you to always be chill. And she was like, yeah, and I'm not. (laughs) Not direct quotes, but you know, you don't have to be positive all the time, but taking a moment every day to write down, physically write down or type with your fingers, um, three to five things for which you're grateful. I swear it helps. It really does. It can just be the paint on the wall looks nice. Anyway, I don't know if that's actually a relaxation exercise. Maybe I branded it incorrectly, but it's a something exercise, hopefully one in self-preservation. Thank you so much for being here. And I'll see you next time on Well, This Isn't Normal. You can go to patreon.com slash Casa to support the podcast. Thank you to those of you who have. You can go, go to matrushka.com uh, with offer code S-A-R-A to get 20% off plus free shipping. That applies when they're not having a site-wide sale. Um, and uh, yeah, support the Actors Fund. They're doing really good stuff. I love you. I like you. Take good care.